Welcome to another exciting episode of Feasting at the Table with Grace Tom Lawyer. Feasting at the Table is a Bible study program that seeks to apply the truth of God's word to our everyday life. It is a feast and so there's something for everyone. Get ready for a fresh, anointed and timely word from God. Hello, whatever time it is that you are, where you are, you are welcome. I'm so excited to finally be able to reach you on this platform. And today we're starting a new series. It is a series on the life of Cornelius. Ever since we started this program, we have been looking at several lives, looking at several biographies, looking at these lives and and discovering in these lives what exactly it was about these lives that made them to become people that we read about in the Bible. And the good thing about the Bible is that the Bible does not hide from us the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything is there so that we can learn from the mistakes. We can be encouraged by their times of despair, the times they trusted God, what they did, what they shouldn't have done and the things fear stop them from doing because at the end of the day these lives that we see in the bible are ordinary lives like the lives that we live and god is expecting that as we learn from them we become more to become the people that he wants us to become so today we are starting the series on the life of Cornelius. you see the story of Cornelius is one that i find very interesting several years ago i studied his life and what was intriguing was i wanted to find out what was it about this man that made him become the center person? What was it about Cornelius that made Cornelius become the person that God decided to use when he wanted to reach out to the Gentile world? And um, as I began to read and look through his life, there were several things I saw which were commendable. One of the things we do in this program is we don't just jump into, especially one of the things we do in this program is we study the lives of people we want to do. Practical Christianity, look at lives and see what we can do. And before studying the lives of people, we like to give a background, want to see around ourselves what are those things we can learn around what are the things the background of the story like every good um novelist would do they will give you some background so you can see things in context so before we go to the life of Cornelius, i think we, we have to look basically at the book of acts the book of acts is where we find the story of Cornelius. in short the story of Cornelius comes up in acts chapter 10 but before the story of Cornelius, i think we'll just do a brief run through of the book of acts what happened in the book of acts till where we get to where we begin to see Cornelius and the people connected to him. So if we look up at, at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the second book that um, St. Luke wrote to Theophilus, wanting to talk to him and let him know things. And I like that because when Luke began to write, say, listen, Theophilus, when he was writing, I have researched these things. I've checked these things to make sure that what I'm talking to you about, it's real. And that's a great thing about a good writer, the ability to research so that by the time you bring out your material, people can relate and it's authentic. So we have Luke writing two books. The first book that he wrote was he said to them, oh, listen, this is me. And these are the things that's been, um, these are the things I've searched. And I want you to be convinced of the things that you have believed in. And um, after he said so, guess what? He, he he did the book of Luke where he accounted that. And then it was the book of Acts of Apostles where he decided to show us the acts, not just of the apostles, but the acts of the believers there, right there. And so when we, when we come to the book of Acts, at the very beginning, we see Jesus having resurrected, speaking to his disciples. But makes us understand that there were 500 people there with him. And he said to them, listen, wait for the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But well, almost 10 days later from 500, we have just up to 120 people 
people in the upper room. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Ghost did come. And after the Holy Ghost came, the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2. The good thing about Cornelius' story was the day of Pentecost came twice. I said, there were two times that was repeated. The first time it, the Holy Ghost came, bam, and it was upon the Gentiles. But when we go to Acts chapter 10, we'll see the Holy Ghost coming again, uninterrupted, coming again as without any invitation, without anybody controlling the Holy Ghost came. So that, that's why we're looking at Acts chapter 2. We're, we're remembering that, yes, the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, but it fell on all the Jewish believers. The Holy Ghost, still the same Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 10 and fell on the Gentiles as Peter was preaching. That was the other... Um, Pentecost, as it were, that was encountered in the book of Acts. And so when we go to the book of Acts chapter 2, um, we see all of that. And then we go further, we go to Acts chapter 3. We see the church beginning to move, the church beginning to multiply. Um, as the church began to multiply, several things were happening. And one of the secrets of the church, if we have read through the book of Acts, we find out that there's the ministry of the word. The Bible talks about them daily. They gathered, they, they shared bread, they broke bread and they prayed. You know, things were happening because these people were getting deep devoted to those things that will move their spiritual life as it were. I remember in high school, one of the first persons that ministered to us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he told us about Acts chapter 2 and the tongues of fire. And I kept waiting to see tongues of fire, but there were no tongues of fire, but the Holy Ghost did fall, you know, on, on them. And then if you go further than Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the Bible tells us, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Acts 2 44 says they continue daily. I think that's some of the things that are sometimes missing from one of the things that we do. Sometimes we do some things and after some time we're like, oh, I'm tired. It's not working. But there's a need for there to be steadfastness for us to continue. And the church continued to grow till it became cozy. And as they began to become cozy, forget Getting the commission that was given to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, say, Listen, go to the, go from Jerusalem to Judea, you know, Samaria, all of the world. Guess what? The Bible tells us that persecution bro broke out. And when persecution broke out, the apostles uh, people were scattered. First of all, we had the season of James, and then we had uh, we had the season of James, and then the church began to spread. The church began to spread up to the extent where we, we see the apostle Peter going about also meeting several believers in different places. And then if we come further down to look to when we start to see Apostle Paul, we do we get, we get to start to see him sometime and somewhere in the book of Acts. We, we see, first of all, that there were several conversions in the book of Acts and what the gospel came to the Samaritan in Acts chapter 8, verse 4 to 25. Then it came to one Gentile was converted. And then the first point of Acts chapter 9, we see that Saul was converted, which was followed by the gospel getting to Judea. Then when we go look closely at chapter 9, we see that it actually shows two main characters of the of the book of Acts. So we see in chapter 9, there seems to be a division. We have from verse 1 to verse 12, we see Apostle Peter being talked about. And then when we get to the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, we find out that there's a division, there's a divide all the way from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 12. It's majorly Apostle Peter. And then the, the gospel broke out also to the Gentiles. And then from Acts chapter 13 to 22, we find that it's majorly Apostle Paul. And then the Bible makes us understand that due to the conversion of Paul, the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, Galilee and even Samaria, they know they had peace and they were edified and they continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I like what Acts chapter 10 verse 3 says that they were multiplied. 
Another thing that we see there is that the church was held by grace. The Bible says that there was grace upon the people, grace multiplied upon the people. And so I think that's just a rundown of the book of Acts. And then when we get to the later part of chapter 9, it makes us to begin to understand what's happening in chapter 10, where our story begins, where the main course of our story, the main course of our study today begins, who is Cornelius. And so we look at Acts chapter 9. We're we'll just if you turn our Bibles now to Acts chapter 9. I like you to get your Bibles. It's always good to see happening at the very beginning of Acts chapter 9 we have um, the conversion of Apostle Saul and then following towards the end in Acts chapter 9 verse 17 Peter healing Ananias and raising Dorcas from the dead the Bible talks about um, Dorcas Dorcas is also known as Tabitha and one thing I like about her is that the Bible says that she was always doing good kind things for others and always helping the poor but even when she died they said no 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 this woman cannot die she's too good to die she can't go now and then they sent for apostle peter to say peter please come the 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 works of this woman spoke beyond the widows were crying by the time peter got there the widows were crying people were showing look at the things she's done for us look at the things she's done for. i don't even know if it was she was just merely sick and before they knew it i don't think she was that old i don't think she, she they, they agreed it was time for her to go and the things that she had done were the things that made her come back because they sent for Apostle Peter. They heard that Peter was in Japan. They say, oh, let's send for Peter. Let's send for Peter. Let's look at it from verse 32. It says, this Acts chapter 9, verse 32. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lida. There he met a man named Anas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Anas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lida and Sharon saw Anas working around and they turned to the Lord. And I think that that's one of the purposes of miracle. The purpose of miracle is not for us to turn people to ourselves, for us to become like demigods or whatever. No, no, no. The purpose is to turn to the Lord. If you remember clearly also in the book of Acts, when Paul and um, who was he with again, where they went somewhere and they preached and all of that. And when the people saw, you know, the miraculous acts, they, they, they brought out sacrifices and they wanted to sacrifice to them. And Paul said, no, he was, he tore his clothes and said, no, you know, the focus, the emphasis is on Jesus. The, the, the ministry, the things that accompany the ministry are supposed to point people to Jesus. I was supposed to make sure that people are actually being pointed to the Lord. And if at any time the, the spotlight begins to shine on us, we should be able to move the spotlight away and let people know, listen, whatever light, whatever thing I do, it is the Lord himself that is doing it. Because the Bible tells us here that when that man was healed, when the miracle came, it wasn't about, oh, is this big man of God? Or is it? No, the Bible says, and they turned. They turned the population of, Lyd of Lydia. They turned to the Lord. And then we go to the story of Dorcas, which is in verse 30. Six Bible says here that there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an up upstairs room. So even though it seemed like to them, like, okay, all was over, you know, the Bible says her body was washed. Perhaps her family I said, okay, that's fine, she's gone. But the Bible says in verse 34, 38, but the believers had heard that Apostle Peter, well, that Peter was nearby at leader. So they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. Hallelujah. Are we accepted? Are we accessible as men of God, as ministers? Are we accessible? Can people call us? Can people ask that they should come without, um, without you know, extraordinary, you know, paraphernalia and things to stop people from getting across? Well, the Bible says here that, listen, these believers doesn't tell us that they were wealthy. It doesn't tell us, because 
because I mean, these are people who were very appreciative of someone who was, as it were, doing things for the poor and helping the widows. So I think that these people were not too on the high scale social class, but they could send for Peter. They could send for Peter. And I think that's a word to, to, to us today. I said, how accessible are we? The Bible says that they sent for Peter and they said, come as soon as possible. And the Bible says, so Peter returned with them. Peter didn't tell them, oh, go, I will come. Or I'm doing this. No, he returned with them. And as soon as he arrived, the Bible says they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and the other clothes doctors had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Hallelujah. Then he knelt and prayed and turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. Glory to God. You know, there are times we need to ask the people to leave. There are times it needs to be ourselves and God alone. There are times we need to hear what is God saying. There are times we are faced with a situation that the only way things are going to turn around is if we shut the door. Yes, those people were concerned. Yes, those people were crying. Those people were weeping. But guess what? Their weeping and their crying was not going to do anything. This woman needed to be raised and Peter knew what to do. He had seen Jesus perhaps doing something like this before. Remember the story in the Gospels when that man came to meet Jesus and said, oh Jesus, come and heal my little daughter. She's 12 years old and Jesus was on his way to meet the woman's daughter and then met with the woman with the issue of blood. But the Bible says that when Jesus and his disciples got there, guess what? People were laughing and saying, well, don't trouble the master. The girl is dead. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus sent them out. He sent them out because there are some battles, there are some things we are going to face that we need to be there alone with God. And that's the exact thing that Peter had done. And I love it because at the very beginning of the book of Acts, the Bible says that when Luke was writing, he said, listen, I'm, I'm writing to you all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Jesus had modeled these things in front of Peter. So when Peter came to that challenge by himself, he knew what to do. The Bible says here in the book of Acts chapter 9 verse 40, but Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and he prayed. His prayer was in secret. He turned to the body and said, get up Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, the Bible says she, she sat up. Verse 41, he gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. The Bible says that the news spread through the whole town. The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. This news spread through the whole town and many people believed in the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I said that's one of the purposes of miracle. Many people believed in the Lord. Verse 43. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa living with Simon Etana of Heights. Okay. So the, the whole story is speaking up now. The whole story is speaking up now. Peter, the chief of the apostles. He had great responsibility. He was going around taking care of the church, but it was not too busy as we saw to answer the request of some brethren that we might think, oh, maybe they don't really matter. Where he is, Lydia is 10 miles away from Joppa. And since the believers in Joppa had that need, Bible says that they sent for Peter and Peter went there. And when that woman got up from the dead, guess what? It added to the church. It made people realize that the things we are talking about is not just of them, it's power. There is demonstration. The Bible says if that same spirit that dwells in Christ Jesus lives in us, guess what? It will quicken our mortal body. It means that whatever you're listening to, whatever is happening to you, child of God today, we already have two cases just before we begin our story. We have the case of Ananias who was paralyzed. That means that the situation is not going anywhere. It looks like it has been in that place for so long. But makes us understand that when Peter came and the word of God was, was, was spoken and prayer was taken, guess what? The paralyzed man 
and stood up and that cat paralyzed condition ended. We have the second person who, this was not a matter of paralysis anymore. It was a dead deal. It was done and dead sealed. Bible says this person was dead. Her body had been rushed or been washed already for burial, but they decided to send for Peter. I don't know what that is in your life that it looks like he's dead already. It's been washed. It's been washed, ready for burial. But guess what? If you send for the word, Bible says that his word healed them. There is nothing that the word of God cannot do when we apply ourselves to the word of God. Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the word of God is quick. The word of God is powerful. The word of God can bring life to things. Hallelujah. The Bible says that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Child of God, what is that thing that is dead? We've seen two incidences just in the text, the preamble text, before we get to our main text, two incidences that we've seen already that the word of God and prayer something about. So that, that's the backdrop of our story where we begin to look at the life of Cornelius before we move to chapter 10. So we see here that Peter is quite close as it were to our main character who is Cornelius. Peter lives in Joppa and guess what? He's living with someone called Simon and Bible says he is a tanner. Wow. Wow. You might not know, but Etana is somebody who, as it were, deals with the with hide. So that's someone who deals with the dead bodies of animals and co. So for Peter to be living with this person, it says a lot about Peter. It says a lot about him. Michelle, when I was reading and studying for this, one of the things I learned is that um, the Jews, they so, you know, so kept the religious laws that if somebody were to be engaged to someone and found out that the person later is Etana, it's enough to break the engagement because the person does not want to be dealing with someone touching unclean animal or touching animals and dead animals. That's how serious it was. But the Bible says that Apostle Peter was there living with Simon the Tanner. That's the description, Simon the Tanner. I hope you remember that Apostle Peter's name also, his other name is also Simon. And then from there, we go to our story today. And that is, we're looking at Acts chapter 10. So we're going to start as I read Acts chapter 10. I'm reading, as I said, from the book of the New Living Translation, Cicera. In Cicera, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. I don't think we'll be able to unpack all those verses today. So let, let's just let's explain the very first part. The very first part says in Caesarea lived a Roman army officer called Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. When I started studying um, the life of Cornelius, one of the things I found that, you know, here in New Living Translation, it says a captain. In other places, Bible talks about a centurion. And interestingly, most throughout the Gospels, centurions were featured. And the centurions that were featured, they were all featured in the good light. If you remember, it was a centurion that Jesus said, wow, I've not found such faith as it were in Israel. It was a centurion that was able to say to Jesus, listen, you just need to speak the word and my servants will be healed because I myself am a man under authority. So that was it. Uh, that That's the centurion. So we've had centurions in good light. It was a centurion that also helped about when he came to the crucifixion of Jesus. 
verse 1, it says, In Cicera, they lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. And I think there are a lot of things to learn from here because one of the things I've found out most times in the Bible, if you've been studying your Bible, you notice that when God talks about people, he also mentions places. And somewhere in the book of Acts, we are told that he's the one who determines where we live and where we stay. God is concerned about the places that we stay. He's concerned about our address. He doesn't want us anywhere and everywhere. He's concerned. And when he introduces people to us in the Bible, he actually introduces them to us with where they live. And the Bible says that it is in Caesarea. It says there's a certain man and gives the name of the man. First of all, gives where it says is a man. It tells us where this man is and what is his name. And then the Bible tells us what his profession is. It says is a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. Um, I'm reading from another version, but if you look at the New Living Translation, it says, In Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. I don't know if you've noticed that most times in the world, most people that God used were people who were doing something. God didn't use idle people. People were doing something. This man was a captain. That's what they'll call him in our days. But here in those days, he was called a centurion, meaning that he took care of 100 officers. And the Bible makes us understand that he's in Caesarea. And this city that we're talking about here is Cicera Stratton. It used to, it used to be known as the Stratos Tower. However, it's distinguished from the other Cicera because there are two Ciceras, Philippa Philippi. This Cicera Stratton was like in those days was the headquarters of the Roman procurator and the command center of the Roman army in Judea. And when we come to his name, Cornelius, uh, I think from what I've studied that Cornelius is a distinguished Latin name. One of the great families in Rome was the Cornelian family. And so it was customary those days for noble families to in the army. So it's not far-fetched for us to think that this Cornelius was perhaps of that kind of extended family. And um, this Cornelius is definitely someone to reckon with. The Bible says he was a centurion, which means he commanded a company-sized unit in the Roman army. And that Greek, the Greek word there is a katon tash, which is ruler of hundred it's the name in Greek and Latin and in English, it means a leader of 100 men. And Bible says of the Italian cohort, you know, Cornelius was an officer in a Roman legion. And then a Roman legion those days consisted of about 6,000 troops and it was divided into 10 cohorts, which is like 600 soldiers each. And when we're talking about the Italian band, it means like something wrapped. And all we're saying is that Cornelius himself was commanding as it were, hundred soldiers. And if we're talking about a cohort, that's over 6,000. So uh, that's over uh, a cohort. A legion is over 6,000 and the cohort is 600 soldiers. So this Cornelius also had people above him and he had people beneath him. So this was a man that took responsibility as we can see. This was a man that was already taking responsibility. This was a man who was living in a place and God could identify him by his name. God could not identify by his sex. Bible says a certain man. God identified him by his where he lives. Um, Cicera and God are defining finally by his name and also what he does. And I, I don't know where you are thinking. I don't know what you're going through. If you're thinking, does God see me? I want to say to you very clearly that God sees you. God sees you. God knows the issues you're going through as a man. God knows the issues you're going through as a woman. God knows also where you live, your particular address. He, 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 when he sends things to you, comes to your address. And God also knows where you, where you, where, where you live and what your name is. And, and that final thing, God knows what you do. So God, God knows and he cares about us. I think one of the greatest lie of the enemy is to tell us that God does not care about us. But we can see from here how God cared so much in the scriptures that he made sure 
we knew about Cornelius. He was not just a certain man. He lived in Caesarea. His name was Cornelius. And guess what? The Bible says that he was a commander, identified him by his work and also told us what he does. We have run out of time and we've just stopped in verse one. But basically today we've looked to, we started our series on the life of Cornelius. We're looking at the life of Cornelius and we're looking at his life because this is the man that God used when it was time to breach to the Gentiles, when it was time to break out of the mold of the Jews. And I tell you that God is a barrier breaker. God is always breaking barriers and he wants us also to break barriers. And we see him breaking barriers here by moving, you know, the gospel to the Gentiles. But he needed a man. God always needs a man. He doesn't break his principles right here on planet Earth. We as men are the ones in control and God is going to use us for anything God is going to do. He would need the cooperation of a man. Before we looked at the story of Cornelius, before we started seeing Cornelius, we looked at Peter. We've looked at the book of Acts, what it was all about. And we've looked at Peter. We've seen Peter, although he was a great apostle, he had time to go to Lydia. He had time and he touched someone who was paralyzed. He was also sent for not where he was. He was sent for, it could have cost him convenience. He could have had his plans for the day, but he went when he was sent for and he raised Tabitha. And Tabitha was raised because of her good works. The things that we do, those are the things that are going to last beyond when we leave this planet. And so what kind of things are we sowing? What kind of things are we building? Are we building things that will last even when we go? And perhaps there might be a situation you're facing that is paralyzed. We can see here in the word that we story that a paralyzed man did receive help and began to work again. Or perhaps it could be a situation where as it where you are, the situation is dead. Like Tabitha, the Bible says that her body was washed for the funeral, but they decided, let's send for Peter. I tell you that the word of God is quick. The word of God is alive. You see, in all of those miracles, guess what happened? By the time the miracle was done, people turned to the Lord. And that is the purpose of miracles. That is the purpose of the teaching. We teach here, we share the word of God so that we go, we look at it, we study by ourselves so that we can become more like Jesus. And then we began to look at the story of Cornelius and we started from verse one today. We're going to continue here when next we come. But for today, these are the things that we have learned. Father God, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your word. We ask, oh God, that as many, oh God, that are listening, as many that are in situations where they have found themselves paralyzed. There's not been any movement. As many perhaps that have situations that are dead, they've been certified dead. They are washed, waiting for burial. We speak your word of life to these ones in the name of Jesus. We ask, so God, that places where there's been paralysis, where there's been no movement, we speak the word of God. We ask that the word of God moves and let there be life. Let there be life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I speak, Father, concerning as men that listen and saying, God, look at Cornelius as you identified him you identified his name you identified where he was saying and you identified even him with his job and they are thinking they do not have a job Lord I pray Father that Lord you make ways for them the right application I pray for favor upon the applications Lord God that by the time we meet again there would be testimonies of your goodness and of your greatness we thank you Father for your word blessed be your name forever in Jesus mighty name we pray so hope to see you next week bye for now we hope you have been blessed by the word of God today. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Feasting at the Table.